Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore. It's another episode. And today's episode, well, this feels nice saying this. Um, today's guest is Butch Vig. Um, you know what? Go back a year, the thought that I'd ever be sitting down and, and having a chat with um, the gentleman that produced, you know, some absolutely monumentous records. I never thought it would happen. And, uh, and yeah, and it did, and it was a joy, as you're about to find out. Um, Butch Vig is an absolute delight uh, and obviously has incredible tasting records, and we discuss those. Um, before we get on with that chat, um, just a quick thanks to um, Ashley for facilitating that. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, and thanks to 76, um, who produces this podcast, who's been doing a, a smashing job because we've all been kind of at the at the mercy of Zoom and, and all of these remote recordings for, for, for the duration of lockdown. And so, um, yeah, he's doing his best to give you a nice warm sounding podcast and, uh, and he's doing a cracking job. So thank you. Um, if you enjoy this episode, when you finish, please go and have a, a rummage in the back catalogue. You can hear my chats with the likes of oh, all sorts of diverse acts from Deftones to Chuck D to Mel C through to Chic, through to James Lavelle, madness it goes it goes all over the place there's some wonderful chats to be had so go and have a, a rummage in the archives and and subscribe that 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 really helps because this podcast is a a labor of love so um any kind of support and tweets and shares and all of that it all goes in the pot and it all helps so uh yeah okay right i'm done with all of that let's get on with today's episode please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with butch vig It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, 
they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints. As well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D. Save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. I mean, do you know what? I, I normally sort of say, like, we'll, we'll start recording now, but um, let, let's just keep talking because it's, it's kind of something that, you know, I like to touch on with the intro anyway. It's like kind of how, you know, it's impossible not to have a conversation and not touch on the last sort of six, seven months and how it's affected you know the, the the creative industry, and uh, and I just wondered, you know, how you found the the you know the the last sort of six seven months, both personally and professionally, Butch. Well, as luck would have it, Garbage was in the studio finishing their new album, and the last day that we were all together was that Friday, and then they locked LA down on Saturday, so right. it wasn't scheduled that way, but that's how it turned out. So we got the bulk of the recording done. There are a lot of little things to finish. Shirley had to finish a lyric on one song, and had to Duke had to do a guitar thing on another song. But the core of the songs were done. And originally, we thought we'd be finished within like three weeks and then start mixing. Well, we just finished mixing last week and are getting that record mastered now. I think once the lockdown kicked in, all of us sort of felt uh, like discombobulated in a way. Um, it took me a while to sort of um, get, uh, I guess, to feel creative. You know, it just felt like uh, you, you sort of go into outer space, just sort of trying to grapple with the reality. And uh, I think the hardest thing was realizing that um, everybody's schedule was completely disrupted. We were supposed to go on a long tour through the summer and the fall with uh, Garbage with Alanis Morissette and Liz Fair, and we were really excited about that. You know, that's been pushed back till. We don't know when, you know, and I know so many musicians who make a living from touring, and that's completely been taken away from them. So it's very disruptive times, but I think as this has been going on longer and longer, a lot of people I know, like yourself and me, have been finding ways to get creative, you know, uh, just to channel your uh, that spirit into something, you know, otherwise you go stir-crazy, you know, Absolutely. just sit in a holding pattern. Definitely. Well, um Let's let's talk music because that's a, that's a nice distraction from the, uh, the the world of COVID. So um, I'm going to start the playlist uh, now, Butch, and I'm going to ask you for question number one: the song with the greatest ever intro. Okay, I, I have to give you a little info on this. I went down a total rabbit hole, Stuart. I went kind of crazy. Great. And I was like, okay, should it be a drum fill? Should it be a guitar riff? Should it be the whole band? And and like, should it be something modern or something classic rock? And I, I wrote a list of like about maybe twenty different ones down. And I thought, okay, but it's going to be a guitar. It could be uh, Guns N' Roses, "Sweet Child of Mine." It could be Blue Oyster Cult, uh, "Don't Fear the Reaper," which also has the cowbell once the groove kicks in. Uh, it could be something as simple as uh, a Teen Spirit. You know, the little four scratchy chords that Kurt plays and Dave Grohl plays that drum fill. It's pretty powerful. But I kind of decided I wanted to pick something that was a little bit more complex. And um, I narrowed it down to two songs. And I'll, I'll give you my runner-up, okay. which was Come Together by the Beatles. Lovely. 
because it's got the most amazing bass line, doom, boom, 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 and Ringo's drum part. Like, whoever thought of that, it's so cool. And there's this little guitar in the background, and someone's going, you know, a little vocal thing. It's just mesmerizing. But it got beat out by my number one pick, which starts with this really airy, spacey little guitar and flute and some washy, tinkly cymbals and some chords and hangs and hangs and this slow drum build kicks into the most glorious saxophone riff ever, Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. Gump Baker Street, nice. <laughs> I mean, every time I hear that on the radio, I go, this is so epic. It's a cool song. And then what goes to the verse, it's a total shift, you know, mm. and it goes into a totally different feel. But it's a pretty epic intro, you got to admit. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I want to ask you, Butch, as, as, as somebody that's been making music for, you know, quite a time now, I, I'm, I'm interested in how you approach uh, songwriting and an intro um, from, you know, the, the early days of, 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 of Garbage through to now. And, and the way that people listen to music now is far different from how it was, you know, in the 90s, you know, with streaming and everything seems to be very fast and there seems to be, like, no fat left on the songs. It's just trimmed to the bone. And it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, these, these just have these two-minute songs, you know, start with a chorus and... And, and and I guess a lot of that is is pop music more, more so than, than than other genres. But I just wondered, have these movements and and the way that you know that that, that, that pop music's created has that impacted on, on on you as an artist and how you write? Yeah, you know, I think intros are always interesting and they can be kind of tricky because there are no rules. And obviously, if you're writing a pop song, like you said, don't bore us, get to the chorus. You want to just boom get in and like the early Beatles are a perfect example of that it's like sometimes they would just start help I need and it's like just go boom right into the chorus but I think from an artist's point of view uh, an intro can give you a chance to set a mood or a tone for a song and it can also set something up so when a verse kicks in or a riff kicks in it takes a u-turn so it takes you on a journey and to me it's always I find it a challenge and more interesting to write songs like that where you use that little moment to set a song up and you can do something with it rhythmically, sonically. You can put a riff in it. You know, it could be a riff that appears later in the song and there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But I always look at, at intros and ends of songs as, uh, as very important and really interesting. I don't like to fade songs either, Stuart. I, I just don't like I sort of feel like that's cheating. It's like you did. You couldn't figure out the end, really, so you just fade the end down. You know, there's. Yeah. I don't think. I think maybe garbage in our, our the 140 songs we've recorded. There's only maybe one or two fades, and it was because we had to mix it really quick and we didn't have an an outro, so we just oh, we'll just fade it down. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. (sighs) Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to take you back now and... Uh, for track two, Butch, I'm going to ask you the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. It's a song written by Jimmy Webb, sung by Glenn Campbell, Wichita lineman. Oh. It's one of the most sublime, perfect pop songs ever. And the reason I think it resonates with me so much is because it resonated with my parents. My mom was a music teacher, and she played a lot of music around the house when I was growing up, so I, I was exposed to a huge variety of styles of music and that that was very important to me in terms of growing up to be a, a music producer but that song would always just get her and my dad who was a stoic norwegian hard to see any emotion from him he would get sort of misty-eyed when he would hear it and uh you know it, it's uh it's a really simple song it sounds simple the chord progression is actually quite complicated but it's it's those those lines, uh, and I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time. The Wichita lineman is still on the line. It, it's about loneliness and desire, and it, it just all all these emotions all wrapped up in those simple lines. And uh, so whenever I hear it, I still get goosebumps, and uh, and it makes me think of growing up as a kid, you know, and and hearing that song played and. Uh, yeah, it's one of those songs, you know, there's maybe 20 songs or 30 songs growing up. You go, damn, I wish I'd written that. And that's one that I, I don't have the chops to write a song that good, but it's it's absolutely perfect. And what was the emotion, Butch? I, I think it's uh, it's like a, a sadness of something that's missing. You know, you're this this loneliness, especially when he stops and that little guitar just sort of the you know, the telegraph on the way, dee, 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 oh. and you think someone's sending a message it's haunting you know it's really haunting um yeah it's not a it's not an upbeat pop song you know it's uh it's about desire and loneliness and uh trying to find a connection you know it's 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 lovely song it's got a kind of a a sort of feeling of like longing about it hasn't it it's 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 a beautiful beautiful record um but have you ever heard um have you ever heard rem do that I have not. No. Uh-uh. Yeah, they, they, it was at the end of a live, a live DVD or something I had of one of their shows, and uh, and they're, they're, they sound check with it, and uh, and yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, oh, cool. It's really cool. Like Stipe's vocals on that are, are, are pretty spectacular. It's, right on. I'll, I'll check that out, Stuart. I'm a huge REM fan. Yeah, uh, it's nice. Murmur is in my like top twenty greatest records ever. I love, oh. or maybe top thirty. I love that record so much. I mean, I love a lot of their records, but Murmur is just incredible. I don't know if it's uh, if it's out in the in, in the states, but um, in the UK, the, uh, the the song Exploder things on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it yet. It is. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I know the guy who who runs it. Yeah. Oh, the, the, have you not seen the, the the REM one? They they all four of them. Bill Berry's back uh, for it as well, and they uh, they sit and they pull apart. 
Losing My Religion, and it's it's wonderful. It's, oh wow! And that's on. Is that on Netflix? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, I got. I'll watch it this afternoon, man. Yeah. I'm I'm crazy for shows like that. Oh, it's a great watch, Butch. You're in for a treat there. Cool. Um, for track three, I'm going to ask you um, the song that reminds you of your time at school. Well, school. I'm I'm going to call that high school. Like you know, thirteen or fourteen to seventeen years old, eighteen years old, something like that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up with a lot of different music in the house. Like my mom bought Beatles records, but she played Frank Sinatra and the Tijuana Brass and Elvis Presley and Theolonius Monk. But I started getting into rock and roll. And, uh, I think one of my favorite bands was Alice Cooper. And like a lot of kids, I think because they looked outrageous, you know, I want, you have to rebel against your parents in some form or another, right? So... And I, I love the album Killer. I put up the, when you got the gatefold, you you put up the poster, and it's this thing of Alice, you know, with a rope around his neck. And I'd put it in my locker, and kids would walk by, and after like three or four days, the superintendent from the school said, uh, Vig, you got to take that down. That's offensive <laughs> or whatever. But I have to say, it, it's uh, Alice Cooper's 18. I used to play that song nonstop. And when I was 16, I started my first band called Eclipse in, in Viroqua, Wisconsin. That's where I'm from. And that was one of the songs we learned. And so I was just thrilled every night to be you know, playing these little tiny taverns in, the, in these back roads in Wisconsin or, or like the high school dance or the, the county fair or whatever it was. And that was one of the songs that we played in the set. And, and I remember our singer would just go crazy. He would do the whole, 18, 18 and I love it. You know, it's just... It was great, man, and yeah. uh, I'm still a huge Alice Cooper fan. When I was doing, uh, when I was producing "Wasting Light" with the Foos, uh, Dave Grohl is a huge Alice Cooper fan. As is as Pat Smear, and we would sometimes we'd be doing a part and and uh, recording a part, and, and Pat Smear would look at me and go, "Hey, Butch, is that is would that be good enough for an Alice Cooper record?" I go, "Yeah, that's okay. You, you nailed it." So <laughs> we started to use that as a reference. Oh, wonderful! Um, in regards to school, Butch, like, how did how did you get on? Did you enjoy school? Uh, I I got along okay with. I didn't like junior high much. It was like you know twelve to fifteen or so. Like a lot of kids, I felt like a misfit. I had, kind of had a hard time uh, connecting with friends and stuff. And uh, but like the last four years of high school. Um, I, I, I kind of got a good core of people who I hung with and, um, I, I was always pretty outgoing. So I, I, I wasn't really an introverted kid. So I, I did have a lot of friends and for some reason I was able to hang with the jocks and I was able to hang with the stoners and I was able to hang with the arty kids. So, and I, I was really involved in music in, in school. Also, I played in the band and I played in the orchestra and as I said, I started up our band uh, in Viroqua with a couple of my buddies. And uh, so pretty much I was, you know, immersed in music the whole time. Sorry for the interruption. It's just a super quick advert. The Signal is a platform for podcasters to launch a fully featured app onto the App Store and Google Play in just a matter of days. It allows you to monetize your podcast with in-app subscriptions and offer in exchange a whole world of features for your listeners, like exclusive episodes, ad-free versions of episodes, YouTube live streams, downloads, and much, much more. The Signal allows you to pull all your best content into one place that you control. No more trying to play the algorithm. Just connect directly with your audience and give them more of what they love. 
For just a small monthly cost and no contracts, you get your app into stores in days, not months. No big upfront development costs, no waiting months for beta versions, just all your content under your control. And even better, if you tell them Stu sent you, they will waive the £100 setup fee. So go to thesignal.app and take your podcast to the next level. Back to my podcast. A, a few questions regarding th- those times and, and, and the impact of music on you there. Um, when, when you would listen to music, would, you know, obviously if you was in bands, you was already playing at this point, Butch, but would you pull apart the records in your head? Would you deconstruct the songs and try and work out how they were put together? Totally. I, I got into, I mean, this is, I guess, I didn't even know it at the time, but that's what led to me getting into production. I would put headphones on up in my room at night and listen to records over and over, trying to figure out what they were doing, you know. Sometimes my dad would come in and go, go to sleep. It'd be like one in the morning, I'm still listening to Killer by Alice <laughs> Cooper or whatever. And, um, and I, I would always look at albums, too, you know, look at the credits. And sometimes they had information, sometimes hardly anything. So you sort of had to make it up in your head, you know. Yeah. Nowadays, you can find out anything about anyone on the Internet with a, with a click of a yeah. mouse, but... It was all kind of a mystery back then. So uh, there's a beauty yeah, I, in that, I, I think, Butch. I think there's 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 yeah. a nice kind of element of wonder to that, you know, of, of not being able to find out what your favourite pop star had for breakfast, which you can see on Twitter every day. It's like I, I kind of like that that sort of elusiveness of like your rock and roll stars are up there. You don't know about yeah, them. It's mysterious, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. I you know you want your rock stars to be. Special. You don't necessarily want it to be the dude next door, yeah. you know. And uh, I have a theory, Stuart, that uh, sometime in the near future, there's going to be an artist who it could, he could be hip hop or a folk singer, or she could be a hip hop or folk singer. I don't know, but I think they could write lyrics like someone like Bob Dylan and, and have sort of this uh, zeitgeist moment, much like Nirvana did. But I have a theory that they're not going to be on social media. They're going to maybe play a show and the song is going to come out and they're going to disappear. And because of that, everybody's going to go crazy and want them more because they're holding themselves back from giving everything to everyone, you know? Wouldn't that be great? And if you figure out who that artist is, call me because I want to produce him. Wonderful, wonderful. Just quickly, Butch, I'm just going to go and turn the light on in this room because I'm literally sitting in darkness now. The sun's gone in and I'm just sitting in darkness. I can see you. Yeah, you're, I can see you're sort of slipping <laughs> in the darkness there. Two seconds. Okay, cool. There you go. Oh, that's better. That's there you better. go. Now you're looking good. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, was you um, was you a confident kid? Um, not when I was younger, as I said, but when I got to around thirteen, or I guess probably more around fourteen or so, and started hanging with uh, a, a pack of of people and really got into music, then I think I got more confidence. Before that, I, I was kind of a nerd, you know. Um. And so it took me a while to sort of get my grounding, if that makes any sense, yeah. you know, to, to, to kind of get that confidence. I see that in, like, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and, it's, you know, being a teenager is hard, man. It's just because you're, you you're trying to figure out what to do and how to 
you want to be cool with your friends. You want to be different, have your own identity, but you don't. You want to fit in perfectly, and it's a, it's a tough time. And uh, I'm lucky that I had music to sort of pull me through all that. Yeah. I've, I've got a 14-year-old daughter, and I've, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying, Butch, and it's, it's strange because... I kind of, you know, encourage you to like, you know, just be yourself and like, don't worry about it if you think. But it's easier said than done as a forty-seven-year-old adult. You know, the, the the pressures of a, a, you know, of being fourteen. You do want to fit in. You don't want to be the square peg. Do you know what I mean? It is. Uh, yeah. It's a difficult time, and uh, you'll always look back and just go, "Oh man, I should have just done that and just put it out there." Yeah. But yeah. At the time, it's different, right? Um, was you said you was in the band at school? Was was music and 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 creativity like encouraged at your school it was uh we had a great um music uh, the guy who ran the band and ran sort of the music department in my high school um uh, robert bestel bob bestel he was super outgoing very charismatic um everybody loved you know i loved going to band practice because it was fun and uh and then he also got me into orchestra. I got into marching band, you know, so you'd march in the parades and playing the snare drum or the bass drum or whatever. And um, I also played piano. I stopped playing piano um, when I, I sort of morphed into playing drums. But I played piano through, like, first grade through sixth grade or something. So I had a pretty good background with, with piano starting out before I took up drums. But I think a lot of it came from my mom. She played music constantly in the house. And uh, every night at dinner, she'd put some record on. Like I said, it could be pop music. It could be a musical like Camelot or uh, On a Clear Day, Rise and Look Around You. You know, it was just, uh, I never knew what she was going to put on. And uh, she always would say, listen to that melody and, and, you know, pick out the melody over the chords. And I would go, yeah, it's great. Um, And, 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 and so it didn't matter what style of music was. Like, I've never felt like I was a snob. You know, I only like techno or I only like punk rock or rock and roll. I mean, I love all those things. And I think that was that sort of background for me was very instrumental in, uh, in, in, in my path as I've gone forward into uh, production. Did, um, did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? I didn't. Uh, oddly enough, uh, I went to Madison, uh, UW-Madison, after high school, and uh, I went into med school because my dad was a small-town doctor, and everybody in my family, had every, pretty much everybody, my cousins and nephews, everybody went into the medical profession, either doctors or nurses or dentists, and uh, it was kind of expected. And uh, I went to school two years and at the university and then dropped out and started playing in bands in Madison. And then I eventually, after about a year and a half, I went back to college part-time, but I went into music and film. And I got a degree in com arts and film, but I took a lot of music courses, especially electronic music. So again, once I, once I sort of found myself uh, more in the creative arts part of uh, the university, I, I, I totally embraced it. Wonderful. Well, keeping it back around them, them times, and maybe a little earlier, for track four, Butch, what was the first record you bought from a record store? I remember distinctly. I had been going to the Viroqua swimming pool, and they kept playing this band on, on Top 40 every day. Um, yeah, radio was hard back then. In Viroqua, in the morning, uh, they would play polka music until noon. 
And then there'd be country music from like noon. There'd be the farm report, and then country music from noon till three. And from like three thirty to five, it was called Mail Train. It was top forty. And uh, we would usually go to the pool like after school, but more more so in the summer. And uh, I remember hearing these songs by a band called Creedence Clearwater Revival. I remember hearing Susie Q, which I loved, and I I just love John Fogarty's voice. And so I, one day I went to the record store. This is maybe after third or fourth single. I don't remember exactly, but I bought uh, "Who Will Stop the Rain" and "Traveling Band." I think it was a double A side. And I, I remember hearing uh, that guitar riff on the start of "Who Will Stop the Rain," that chimey guitar riff, and I just I, I loved John Fogarty's voice. I mean, he just had this sort of growl and a, yeah. sort of a soulful voice. I didn't know it at the time, but that was a protest song about the vietnam war i mean he wrote these really simple songs but quite complex lyrics and my mom pointed that out at one point she said you know i think he's singing about vietnam i go really i just thought he's singing about stopping the rain but i i was too dumb to understand how you can write a message in such a simple lyric he also wrote i think bad moon rising was written about richard nixon you know and that's that's also another yeah that's also another Another great song that he wrote. Anyway, I, I ended up um, uh, probably, I think at some point, I collected all of their singles. I had like Cosmos Factory, I had all their album stuff, but I, I love Creed's Clearwater Revival. Years later, um, I got to meet John Fogarty when I did the documentary with uh, Dave Grohl, The Sound City, where he had a lot of different people come in and jam. And uh, Fogarty's cool, man. He's he, he's 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 the dude. He's uh, he still sings. He can sing great. He play he, man. He cranks his guitar super loud. <laughs> but he's 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 still in fine form. And and when you hear his story, he got so ripped off by the label that he signed to. He's lucky that he made any money at all. It's like he, he literally was a slave. You know, he just he it's one of those stories where when you ink the pen that's like one of the worst record deals of all time and yet he fought through it you know and uh and had an amazing career but uh yeah he's a great artist and I, and I love I still love Creedence Clearwater in regards to um record shops butch like how important a place were they for you growing up well they were pretty important but they were limited in Viroqua uh Viroqua was a, a town of about at the time was about a little over 3,000 people, mostly oh, farmers, right. okay. Norwegian That's farmers, small. farming community. And um, there were two or three stores. Uh, there was a music store. I remember buying the Credence single there because they would have top 40 singles. And most of the albums that they had were popular albums. It was hard to find anything um, interesting, you know, it, like cool stuff. But once I started hearing like rock FM rock radio, um, there was a slightly bigger town, La Crosse, Wisconsin, on the Mississippi River. That was about 30 miles away. And uh, every two or three weekends, my mom would go up there to do some shopping or something, and I would go. This is when I was about, you know, 14 or 15, and she would drop me at the record store. And they had bigger record stores, you know, where you, also they had smoking pipes and, and uh, Nehru shirts and, uh, po- you know, blacklight posters on the walls and stuff. And uh, Oh, the good shit. The first time I, <laughs> yeah, that was the first time I would go in and start rummaging through uh, records. And, and, and you'd go in, 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 the, in the store and they'd always have a, a record up. 
and be playing it, you know. So it was cool to hang around and they go, what, is, what are they playing, you know? And then you'd go up and look and you could see the jacket up by the front checkout desk. And uh, yeah, so that was a, maybe if I was lucky, once a month I'd go up there and I'd save up my money and usually buy a couple albums. And uh, that, that was the best, you know, just, just, uh, it was, and my mom, totally trusted me you know i wasn't going to get into tr- i was a pretty good kid i wasn't going to get into trouble i was like mom you can shop as long as you want just leave me here and i'm fine and uh it was cool wonderful so uh, post school for track five butch the song that soundtrack your years clubbing well clubbing Stuart, for me was probably different than <clears throat> what i guess you call in the uk um I never really went to uh, taverns or bars in Madison, which would be like my university years. That's what I call my clubbing years. Either I would go to see a place where it was a live show or a band, or you'd go to a bar and it was a jukebox. Yeah. So you didn't really have control over the music, depending on where you went. You know, you'd have to see, you'd have to see what you could play, and it was again usually top forty stuff. Sometimes you could find music that you liked but uh, i was really into punk and new wave and um bands like roxy music you know i I was the president of the roxy music fan club in madison when i was a a sophomore at the university there and um i felt a kinship to a lot of the punk bands going back to what we said earlier i i loved my rock stars on pedestals the untouchable icons but when punk and new wave came out i realized i could do that you know, the, the, these bands are, they're kind of doing what I can do. I'm not, I'm, I'm an okay drummer. I'm not a great drummer, but I can get together with my buddies and we can start a band and we can do that. And so the whole sort of new wave punk revolution was inspiring for me. What sort and of because band? Of that, because of that, I think the soundtrack to a lot of uh, those nights when I would go out, before I would go out, I would blast the first Ramones album. Yeah. Like if did. I wanted to get psyched up, it was Blitzkrieg Bob. At absolute stun volume, as loud as my speakers would go, and I think you know I played that that first record. I played it so many times, I I wore it out. I had to, I think I've probably owned like four copies over my lifetime because I played every one. I sort of got a thousand times. And was it that kind of like that DIY ethic of, of punk that just meant it was attainable for you? Like you know, I can do this. It's like it's you know, it, it's like it, I mean. If, I miss punk by a couple, just by a couple of years, and 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 I look back and and I just think what a incredible time that must have been if you, you know, you've got a cheap guitar or you know cheap bass and it's like and all of a sudden, especially in the UK from you know this this huge kind of booming progressive rock to all of a sudden, you know, there's the dam just like racking out like you know three or four chords and just screaming these songs. It must have just been, oh wow, we can do this. This is like this is DIY. This is perfect like did that really resonate with you totally i mean it, it's it it got me into the band um that i started with duke erickson who's now in garbage we started a band called spooner which was like a new wave sort of garage band and we started writing our own music and uh uh we there was a club that we used to go to pretty much every night called merlin's which is on state street which is like the main sort of uh, uh street through the university in madison and uh they every single night i swear to god they had every cool band that was happening in america or, f- or from from the uk i mean i saw 
the psychedelic furs. I saw you two play with about maybe 30 people in the room. You know, Iggy Pop came through. I saw REM play to six people, you know. Um, but it, and, and they had big shows there, too. But it's, it was just like, that's where I went every night. We would go to Merlin's. And Steve, my, the other guitarist in Garbage, for some inexplicable reason, he was a bouncer there. He, he's like one of the most mellow, quiet, reserved dudes. And I go, Steve, you're the, the the guy who ran the the bar Surge led with. He was a real character. He's uh, uh, Steve. I'll hire you to be security. Steve was like, okay. But we, I would listen to the Ramones every night and just get ramped up, and then we would go to Merlin's and see whoever was playing there. There, that was that was the local hotspot for a mess. I saw Susie and the Banshees. I, I can't. My, if I wish I had a list here, Stuart, but it was like every night for like four years. That was the that was ground zero for going to see cool music in Madison. Oh, what a time! What a time to see bands. Um, for track six, Butch, favorite song from an artist from your home county, please. Well, um, there's a little bit of a connection here. Uh, it's. Uh, Joseph Arthur's In the Sun. I don't know if you know that song. It is absolutely sublime. Um, there's something about it uh, that reminds me of Wichita Lineman. A little bit, completely two different songs. But it's 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 about someone who, who's gone from your life. And uh, you're trying to reconcile they're somewhere else. And you're here and imagining what they're doing or not doing. Um, it, it's a, it's it, it makes me cry every time I hear it. We played it at my wedding. My my wife loves the song too, and you know a lot of people say, "Why do you play such a sad song?" It's not really sad, but it, it it's it, it's like I said, it just gets me every time. It's absolutely beautiful, and um, I, I it's when I, when after the wedding I said I played it because it makes me feel alive. Yeah, it just I feel like every, my, my I'm a, when I hear this song I feel like I'm a human being. Like I love hearing songs that bum me out or push buttons in me that make me feel emotional because I, that's, I, I feel like I'm living and breathing, you know. So, And um, that's a killer song, In the Sun. And R.E.M. covered it. R.E.M. loved it, too. So there's if you, if you go to Spotify, um, I'm sure it's on Spotify. I haven't checked, but uh, In the Sun by Joseph Arthur. And there's probably an R.E.M. version, too. But you have to listen to Joseph's original cover first it's it, or cover the original version first it's it's absolutely gorgeous we've we've records that jump at you butch like that are you do you obsess over them do you if you find a track are you will you play it over and over and over and over and over and over <laughs> and over <laughs> you know i find that i do i still do that but i find i do it more when i'm driving um and even going back to when I lived in Madison, when I had a CD player in my car, I, sometimes I would put on a CD and I wouldn't change it for uh, two months. I would just listen to the same album over and over and over. Records like that were uh, Marky Moon by Television, yeah, um, Violator by Depeche Mode. Oh, wow. I, I think I left that in my car for a year, and yeah. I and I had a pretty kick-ass sound system in my car too, so it was loud and clear. Yeah, and man, Violator. Still to this day sounds so damn good. Oh, it's, uh, I, 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 the, the venue I run uh, in Essex, uh, Butch, I, I, I live like sort of two two minutes from where Depeche Mode formed, and and they played their first shows in my venue, 
And, wow. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're our hometown heroes. That, that band means a hell of a lot to not just me, but a lot of people from where I live. And, uh, and that was the album for me. It was like when, you know, it got darker and darker and then violator. And it was like, oh, do you know what? It wasn't even Enjoy the Silence. I think it was Policy of Truth was the one that I just thought, that's the one. And Halo, yeah, yeah. the track Halo is on that album as well, isn't it? And oh, that's also in my top twenty uh, rock albums of all time. I mean, I just I love that album. It's, it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Uh, okay. A little side note on that too: when the first Garbage record came out, we were signed to this Mushroom Infectious over in, in the UK, and um, our manager over there at the time had been passing around some promo copies, and somehow Martin Gore got a copy and sent a note. That he really, really loved the the tracks on the garbage truck. He said, especially I love the song "Queer," and uh, and I had his number to call him. So I called his from the studio. I called, and it was his voicemail. But he had "Queer" on his answering music. Wow, on the voicemail. I never got to talk to him. I was like, <laughs> Martin, it's Butch Vig. This is so cool, man. I love you guys, or whatever. I don't know. I don't remember what I said, but it was just cool that he was a fan back in a small way. It was That's a cool amazing. moment. Have you got to work with them, Butch? I did a remix for him once for uh, on the the song in your room, oh. and um, and uh, it was cool. I, I met them a couple times uh, later after the first record came out, but they started playing that song live. The version that I did it had, it had a different arrangement. There was like a, a sort of a distorted piano intro, and I changed some of the groove parts and. And uh, and they loved it so much. And when I saw them play, that's the version that they played, um, the, the remix that I did, which is really cool. And yeah, they, I, I love Depeche Mode. That that I mean, I, I saw them on the on the Violator tour, but that devotional tour. I mean, I know you know Dave Garn was in a strange old place at that time, but as a front man at that point, he was untouchable. It was like yeah, his yeah, vocals yeah. as well. Like I, I watched some of them shows back and. And, and in your room, a prime example of that and condemnation. His vocals are sublime, absolutely yeah, incredible. Yeah. Last track, Butch, and you get to play DJ, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Okay, this is obviously I'm being really selfish here because this is a band that I produced, who I love, love, love dearly, and they're called Against Me. I'm, I've done two records with them, and. Um, this is a track from their the second album I did, White Crosses, and it's a uh, it's a zeitgeist moment. When I hear it, the, the hair in the back of my neck stands up. To me, it reminds me of the Clash. I think it's just a brilliant song. It's called Teenage Anarchist. Wonderful, and it's brilliant. I had Laura on the podcast last week. And, Amazing, uh, right? Yeah, 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 she's wonderful. Like so cool, and uh, yeah, ha- had a good chat. So yeah, gives me great pleasure to uh, to add that to the playlist. Yeah, what yeah, that's cool. What that's really band. cool. So, Butch, hopefully, um, you know, we're going to come out of twenty twenty um, in a, in, a, in a much more positive place than uh, it, it started. Um, what are you looking forward to um, of, of kind of, you know, putting this, this lockdown and, and, and pandemic behind us and we're staying positive for, the, for this? Um, what are you looking forward to personally and what are you up to professionally? 
Well, I have been very lucky. I have been creative, and I have a home studio I'm sitting in here, so it, it's nothing fancy. It's like a bedroom, but I've got a pretty big Pro Tools rig, and I've got drums and piano out there and guitar amps and stuff. Um, and I've been, you know, finishing the garbage record, which we just did. Um, I finished, uh, back in February, a, a new record with my band Five Billion and Diamonds, which is a side band with my buddies, uh, DJ buddies, uh, James Grillo and Andy Jenks, and that comes out in, I think, about three weeks or so, I think, I want to say November 11th, and that was a really fun record to make because uh, we did a lot of collaboration. The, the three of us write music, and then we work with a lot of different singers, like we work with Ebbett Lumberg from Soundtrack of Our Lives, David Scheltzel from a band called Ocean Blue, um, uh, James Bagshaw from the British band Temples, he sings on one of the tracks, and... Uh, so it's a collaboration, but it's really fun. A lot of it is done file sharing because I live here, and a lot of the singers live all over. But we do get together, and and uh, the thing that I have missed most in the last six months is is being in a room and collaborating with people. You know, as much as we can do it like this, sending files back and forth and doing Zoom meetings, it's it's special when you're in a room with creative people to see what happens and. Uh, one of the reasons I love going into the recording studios, you can't predict what's going to happen. You know, in my head, I think, oh, here's what we're going to do today. And then you start the creative process, and it always goes on these tangents, and that's what's exciting about it. And that's what I miss really a lot is just collaborating with people. And, and also being on stage, that moment where you're sharing a, a room with an audience, you know. And I'm hoping by... people will feel safe to go out and vent music again, at least fingers crossed. I hope that's going to happen. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. Um, Butch, it's been a real pleasure um, getting to talk records with you. Um, best of luck with all the projects. Um, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Yeah, Stuart, I appreciate it, man. This is really fun. And you want to do it again someday, let's do it again. Oh, I'd love to, Butch. Next time we'll talk gigs. We do this sometimes. When guests come back on, we do we do these questions, but based around gigs and uh, early oh, cool. gigs. Oh, cool. That'll be like fun. That. So right uh, on. We'll, uh, we'll try and get that uh, sorted. So I'm going to let you go and watch the REM documentary on Song Exploder <laughs> now, Butch. So, uh, All right, and check out In the Sun by Joseph Arthur. I'm on it. I'm on it. Have a wonderful okay. day, Butch. Thank you. Thanks, Stuart. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you have it. Just had a chat with Butch Vig. What an absolutely delightful man. It was wonderful. Um, I hope you got as much enjoyment out of listening to that as I did talking to Butch. Um, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, yeah, and like I said at the beginning, please go and have a rummage in the archives because there's 180-odd episodes now of some wonderful pod chats with actors, musicians, DJs, producers, comedians. Go, go and have a little look in the archives and see uh, see what tickles your fancy and uh, and you can support the podcast I have a Patreon page if you want to support it over there I'll put up um, radio shows and stuff over there um, you can find out about all of this at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com okay we're out of here stay safe lovely people thanks ever so much for listening I'll see you next time bye bye It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made stew with him. Eat it, boy.